So before I start the main topic today, which is how can there be a God if there was a Hitler, right? I mean, that's that you hear that phrase all the time. But before, I just got to get into the politics of what's happening in this election. We are now less than two weeks away from the election. And I got to tell you, Ari, I, I feel like I sometimes I like to go into the future, right? Let's pretend it's November 20th, okay? And now we know, God willing, we know by that time, right, uh, who has won the election. And obviously, I think it's going to be President Trump. But Even though three of the four networks aren't telling us. So. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Um, but you, you, I like to kind of go there and, and think, okay, well, let's say we lose the election, God forbid. Okay, what's the narrative that plays out? Okay, the narrative might be something like, well, you know, I guess the Trump campaign just suffered from a lot of hubris and, and uh, you know, inward, uh, you know, what is it, belly button navel gazing, and we just thought too highly of ourselves, and we didn't realize the extent to which the country really, really hated Donald Trump. Maybe that's the narrative, right? Uh, and but you wouldn't say like, well, you know, he really screwed up on where he campaigned. You know, <laughs> I mean, it's not like Clinton, Hillary Clinton, when she failed to go to Wisconsin. Yeah, we're right? not going to say, you know, Trump only doing three rallies a day was just, you know, he just didn't put enough of a lid on his campaign. <laughs> exactly right. Right? <laughs> they, they, they will not say that. And uh, so, you know, you kind of wonder, like, where, where are we missing the boat here? Where, where are we making a mistake that will be sufficient enough to cause us to lose? So you think, okay, well, the only thing I can think of is the debate. Okay, there's a debate tonight, Thursday night, the last one. Um, the first debate was very um, ornery and a lot of interruptions and biased. such and biased or whatever it might be. But that doesn't matter. I don't know that that affected anybody's vote. And I don't know that tonight's vote will affect anybody's vote. But having said that, I just can't think of anything else. And maybe, again, I'm, I'm just being uh, blinded by this. But I'll tell you, nobody on the Democrat side... Fox News or CNN or MSNBC is saying, you know, Trump is really missing the boat here. He's failing to address this. If he addressed this, he might have a shot at the presidency, uh, re-election rather. And, and nobody's saying that. They're just simply saying, here's the polling. It doesn't look good for, for Trump. Okay? And there's a lot of wishful thinking going on. By contrast, the narrative, let's say, again, on November 20th, now that Trump has won and won handily, uh, people will say, you know what? He was just a lousy candidate, Biden. He was just awful. Yeah, we would have won, except he was a bad candidate. Yeah, he got stuck with a bad candidate. He was our McCain. Right. You know? Exactly right. And you know what? I agree with you. He is your McCain. <laughs> Thank you. That's true. No, he's, he's worse than McCain. At least McCain didn't have these wild corruptions. Uh, well, we don't know. We don't I guess yeah. so. Look, let, let's let that go. But the point is... They'll say, well, you know, this thing about him, you know, keeping a lid for the last week of his, uh, you know, within the last two weeks of, of, his, of the election, that was crazy. What was he thinking? He didn't uh, go out and rally and do all these things. And, and he failed to say whether he was going to pack the Supreme Court or not. And, and all those things that we've been talking about, and of course, the Hunter Biden emails, those are easy parts of the narrative to explain why he lost, right? Very easy. And then... You know, the fact that nobody showed up at his rallies. And I, I when mean, you say nobody, you don't mean, oh, 40 people. Right. You mean the media throng? 
and nobody. <laughs> exactly right. Well, it, it, it's weird. I mean, it's like there's a cute meme that's going around, and you see this woman, she's talking to her therapist, and she, she's saying, I don't know, uh, you know, Sally, I, I gotta tell you, sometimes I just, I can't seem to get any alone time lately. And the therapist puts her hand on her shoulder and says, have you thought about attending a Joe Biden rally? <laughs> like, like it's like a, an obvious solution yeah. to the problem. Yeah. And it's brilliant, it's really true. And, yeah, and, do you suffer whatever that phobia is where you fear crowds? Yeah. Well, now you have a place you can go, <laughs> a safe space, <laughs> a safe right. place. Yeah, or, or where you think everyone's watching you. Don't worry, go to Joe <laughs> Biden. No, no, nobody's watching you. Watching. <laughs> that's, that's, not even the media is watching those. You would, you would think that's being cruel, but it's really not. I mean, it, the, the fact is that nobody's inter- interested in the Joe Biden message. And then you have, I mean, all the other signs, right? This is, this is nothing that Joe Biden is not doing or doing. Right, like we talked about no, about, just, ig- about ignoring just, the, high, oh, yes. the, the 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 Hunter Biden uh, emails, or ignoring the packing the court thing. It's not like that, but the fact is that the enthusiasm is just not there. You cannot tell me that there are virtually no uh, Biden Harris yard signs throughout West LA of all places. West LA, not 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 East yeah, LA. It's a West LA zero. You, we challenge anyone drive around West LA, Santa Monica, and you just I mean, you'll see a couple, but it's a city of millions, and there, a couple is not a number. It's you it's know? crazy. It's uh, I could literally count them on one hand what I saw in the past I don't know three months. It's crazy, and one of them is my neighbor, by the way. So yeah. that, that's interesting. Uh, so. Anyway, he's a nice guy, just totally, you know, misguided. But uh, then I I saw literally, and I'm glad I saw one. I saw one Biden-Harris bumper sticker. You would think you'd see a lot more of those. Right. But you don't. Uh, And and that is weird to me. Uh, I see a lot of Bernie stickers that are still hanging around there. um, But not not so on the the Biden-Harris ones. So... They can only fool themselves for so long. I mean, I feel like, I don't know, a guy, the piper is coming and he's calling your name and and he, you just, you cannot deliver the goods. How can you possibly say, I've got this enormous groundswell of support, polling-wise and otherwise, when nobody's showing up to your rallies, nobody's showing up to your surrogate rallies, even, even Obama recently had a rally, I think in Pennsylvania somewhere, and you see him, and, and he's got a bullhorn, and there's virtually nobody there. It, even more funny, the Biden supporters that actually were there, and it was single digits, looked at him and go, who are you? Why are you here? We came to see Joe. They, it's like there's footage. They didn't even know it was him. Oh my God. They didn't even know who he was. you you got to be kidding. No, it's it, Hofta Gateway Pundit posted. It's the most bizarre video. You know, I, I because, got, yeah. Because they pulled out Obama is the big dog. You know, yeah. Now we're getting serious. Oh, okay. We thought Joe had this in the bag, but you know, here's our insurance policy. We're getting the big player, the big dog out. Who are you? I don't know. It's a, <laughs> look, everybody that says, if you were to have somebody out there, you know, a, a Joe Smith Democrat, who's a real big, uh, fantastic Democrat supporter, and you were to say to him, look, forget about Forget about Joe Biden for a second. And just understand that if you were, in fact, losing terribly and you knew that nobody was going to be voting for, for uh, your candidate, your Democrat candidate, and not only that, 
you now know that a huge number of your supporters are voting for Trump and are attending Trump rallies, no less. Uh, what would you do? And the answer is very simple. You would do exactly what you're seeing now. <laughs> put a lid on it. You, well, you would put a lid on it for one thing. You would, you would say that the polling is going so great for your side, you would find ways of doing it, right? You would weaponize the polling uh, aspect of, of, our, of our economy. And uh, isn't that true? Yeah. And you would, you would, uh, you would say that uh, the, the Republicans are part of a Russian scheme, and, and you, would, you would say all these crazy lies about the Republicans. But more importantly, you would pretend great things are happening for your candidate. Because what, what else is your choice? You can't possibly say, you know what, we really suck. You know, in fact, the real polling suggests that we only have about 30, 35 percent of the vote. And Trump looks like he's going to sweep. Um, hey, please get out the vote, guys. You need to be more enthusiastic. You know, Trump is really dangerous. You got to do No, they're not going to do that. They're going to tell you that this election is going just ever so great for Biden. And that's exactly what we're seeing. Yeah, they're trying to hope to de- uh, incentivize the Trump voter from showing up, make them think that all hope is lost. You know, right. and, and also the other big thing is the way a normal campaign is, a, a well-funded, slick, winning campaign, Just and we all know this from our memory of recent ones, is there's a ton of commercial carpet bombing. You see commercials everywhere. And then it's backed up by actual news stories about the on-the-ground rallies full of enthusiasm on the ground. So the commercial says either attack or or promotion of the or the issues, and then every day such and such is here, such and such is there. Look how great it's going. And with Biden, all it is is the commercials. But we're living in an era where people fast forward through the commercials. They don't work anymore. Yeah, you know it's a very interesting thing that only half. It's, it's, it's literally like eating bread and getting only half the loaf or just crust and there's nothing inside. It's, it's an it's a, uh, empty calorie wafer, basically, of a campaign. Well, they, they believe their, their own lies. That's, that's a big problem for them. I mean, it's one thing to try to push it, but then the actual pollsters and, their, and everyone else is believing their lies um, and their fabrications. So let's see what happens. Maybe you and I are totally wrong. I, I, I mean, <laughs> no. but if that's the case, then look... If Biden somehow pulls it out, okay, it's certainly possible. Anything is possible in the universe, right? But if he does, it will not be a clean sweep. It will be a very, very close uh, election. And I I just don't even think that's going to happen. Here's the analogy I would make. You know, it's funny. I, a long time ago, I dated this girl. Uh, I I always liked tall girls, okay? She liked being tall, but she was only like five, seven. And and that was um, an interesting Dynamic in, in many ways because she wanted to be taller. So anyway, we go on this double date with a good friend of mine and his, uh, his wife. And the wife was very tall. She was like 5'10". And my girlfriend at the time, uh, you know, they both get up at some point and they say, and she said, yeah, we're about the same height. <laughs> like, and my friend's wife looked at her like, okay. Like, this is not reality. She, doesn't, she didn't understand. She, she wanted you to believe and nod along with her that she was the same height as this other girl. And it just, it just wasn't the case. She was a lovely girl, but she was deceiving herself and, and thinking that she was deceiving everyone else merely by saying so. Anyway, the point is, and by the way, my, my present wife is very tall. She's awesome. So 
Uh, and I always, I always had a, a thing for tall ladies. Okay, the point is, this is what the Democrats think that they're doing. They say that just we're doing ever so well. Look at, we're just doing amazingly well. And they expect you to believe that, that they are that tall, so to speak. They're not. It's, it's plain as day. When you have Democrats comprising anywhere between 40 and 70% of the Trump rallies, you've got yourself a problem. You got yourself a big problem. Yeah. A big problem. Because that's a big blue state problem. Because that stuff translates over to where Democrats are the majority party. Yeah. If you're losing X percentage of them in such and such state, then you're losing them in such and such every state. Well, that, that's exactly you, you right. You know, that's, um, a, that's a bad thing to have happen. That's exactly right. You've got big issues when um, you've got to deal with uh, things like, I don't know, Beverly Hills, for example. Beverly Hills now has something on the order of, I think every Saturday they have these huge rallies. Oh, and, I was going to mention that to you because I was there on Saturday. Well, we'll talk about that in a moment. Yeah. But they, they are huge. Uh, th- there is little to no counter rally on it. Now, this from a time in Beverly Hills where there were these, these riots before. Right. So you have not only are they, they they've been told that the rioters have been told, hey, stand down. Right. Remember that? Yeah. Once upon a time, there were a lot of riots going on. For some reason, there, there's not as many. In fact, there are virtually none. I don't know if there's anything really happening in Portland anymore. Uh, yeah, there is. There is. The media isn't covering it. Like, ah, that's right. OK. Right? But but the, the but you make a good point. This is, I think, an important nuance to understand in high profile places like Beverly Hills. Clearly, the hierarchy have told them don't go there and cause problems because the media can't cover that up. Right. If when riders storm Rodeo Drive, that's national news. So don't go there, please. Right. right exactly right. I, I think that's exactly the point. And so they don't have any counter resistance to these rallies. And what's even more beautiful for you and me and for Trump supporters is the fact that they, the the common California resident in Los Angeles sees the comparison between the the pro-Democrats, the rioters, the violence, the violence on the one hand for one team and the politeness and just the enthusiasm and the excitement by the other team. And the cleanliness. It's cleanliness. just like the Tea Party thing where they pick up all the garbage. I want to just say something about counter-protesting because I, uh, there, there's sort of two points of the, the ride I want to, or the, the, the Trump rally I want to make. One is very simply what it is. Gigantic, lovely, peaceful, 5,000 or more people. Wow. I'm talking a literal 5,000. Gigantic crowd. There's, there was a picture going around of a BLM Antifa, pro, mostly peaceful protest from Hollywood from last May and June, in which it showed from like Hollywood and Highland all the way east to Ivar, a flood of people. And it looked like 50,000, 60,000 people or something. And we were told, this is why Biden is going to romp, right? But if you look close, it was only a full throng of people for a couple blocks, you know, it must have only been 5,000 at tops, you know. Anyway, the, the Trump Beverly Hill riots, uh, God, rallies, peaceful rallies, are attended like that. It's that kind of turnout. And it's people who are completely peaceful, totally confident about showing up with their MAGA hats, everything, and it's beautiful. Now, here's what's interesting. 
There are no <coughs> counter-protesters. BLM Antifa is nowhere to be seen. They're not infiltrating nothing, right? But there are people who disagree. This is where it gets interesting. The number of people who disagree are like Biden-Harris signs around West L.A. They'd be counted on one, uh, the fingers on one hand. Right. There was one guy stopped at a stoplight because the rally meets at a park and at 3 o'clock and then for those who want to attend. And then at 4.30, they do a march around the Beverly Hills, you know, little boutique area, down Rodeo and up Beverly, back to the park. When they did the march, one guy in a car stopped at a stoplight gave us the finger. One guy. Not throngs, not hundreds, one guy. And then while marching through the, the boutique area of Beverly Hills, one guy came up to us and said the word F that ends in a certain three other letters and the word Trump. One guy. It wasn't a bunch of people jeering at us, screaming at us, disagreeing vehemently. There were people who you could see weren't involved and they were looking on and they might have thought yeah. what they thought. Yeah. But there was very few yeah. expressed opposition by normal people. This is, this is my point, is that if you were to understand that someone who would be really losing badly would be doing exactly what Biden and his team is doing then it begins to make sense. People don't just lay down and say, well, yeah, I guess we're going to lose the election. You know, thanks for showing up anyway. No, of course not. There's too much invested, literally, uh, time-wise and money-wise and emotional-wise and everything else. They're, they're, they're going to fight. I mean, they're going to do everything they can. Uh, there, there's, there are Hail Marys of, of all kinds going on. One is, of course, the, uh, the coronavirus and the response to it in particular. Yeah, and these uh, debate moderators, that's, right. that's a yeah, Hail exactly. Mary. Then, then the squashing of the news cycle with the Hunter Biden emails and then claiming that the Hunter Biden emails, to the extent anyone's watching it, is, the, is caused by a Russian conspiracy. Um, and, and then, of course, the riots themselves and saying that somehow Trump is responsible for it. Then the mail-in ballots, you know, pushing that. Uh, all of them backfire, by the way, but that's, that doesn't take away from the point that they are engaging in numerous Hail Marys uh, because that's all they've got. And, and then now this hope um, that somehow the election won't be decided on the evening of November, November 3rd. It'll be decided many, maybe many weeks after because of the mess that they themselves have insisted yeah, on. Yeah, we'll decide this February 2027. Yes, why not? Uh, you know, why not? It's, it's, a, it's a madness that's going on uh, that they want to perpetuate because, look, the more they muck things up, the more uh, the chances are that they have a shot in hell, right? Yeah, well said. Right. Yes. So it's, it's a little bit like saying, I don't know, if you were, um, if you were okay, here's what it is, all right? L imagine you're surrounded by... 20 uh, guys of the other team, and you're only, there's only one of you, okay? Well, and all you've got to do is, is to do a diversion of some course, and you somehow smoke the whole area and then hope to create confusion. That's what, that's what they're doing. Yeah. They're smoking the area so that we, we so, you know, the American voter will look around and say, whoa, what's going on? I don't get it. Um, and there's just no issue. I mean, and, and here's another thing. The October surprise apparently, is the October surprise that we are throwing at Joe Biden, not, not anything as against Trump. Um, they tried to throw the, the tax issue, remember that? That kind of came and went. Um, they, they tried, tried to, to throw an October surprise that no one heard yesterday at Trump saying he had been dealing with business in China in a way that raised questions. <laughs> really? 
really. You know, wow. it's funny. I have a, there's a situation with another guy that's raised a lot more questions, <laughs> ironically, right. at the same time. Right. And what's funny is Facebook and Twitter didn't suppress the, the story about Trump's questionable questions. Hmm. Oh, yeah. No, Wait, I mean, and by the way, not suppressing it seems to have made the story get ignored. Okay. okay. <laughs> right. so, so hold on. I'm going to raise a question, too, for myself. Barack Lurie, Ivanka Trump. That raises some questions, okay? Were they together? I don't know. Did, did Barack Lurie have an illicit affair with Ivanka Trump? I don't know. Well, it's you. a question that's worth asking, my friends, okay? Yeah. Now, I'll tell you, Barack Lurie's home and Ari David's home both have boxes in their wife's closet with Ivanka's Trump name on it. Mm. And they may or may not contain a pair of shoes. All right, all right. Right, because, you know, she's a shoe designer. Uh, uh, enough with the silliness, but you get the idea. Yeah. Anything can always raise <laughs> questions. Uh, you know, they, they hope that the American voter will say, hmm, let me raise one eyebrow here. I, I, I got yeah. something, I, I've got something to say about this. Yeah, you know, you know, Mitt Romney said he didn't vote for Trump. Imagine all the Republicans that's going to siphon away to find. <laughs> oh, that, the all-important Romney vote, yes. Uh, yeah, and the all-important Bruce Springsteen vote. You know about that. By the way, J Lo and uh, A Rod apparently have thrown. It, the time has come, and they just recently threw their support to Joe Biden. Yep, game over, my friend. Game over. There you know, Puerto Rico. That was the October surprise, baby. <laughs> Woohoo! You know, it's bad, man. Yeah, I mean, we we were just like we 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 were very confident about our chances for re-election. And then we just, you know, we were biting our nails. But what about J-Lo? Right, because, you know, everyone... <laughs> what about? What, yeah. what, what about what's going to happen with her? I, you know, and so sure enough, here we are. And now we are doomed, my friends. Yeah. Doomed. I, I said everything, you know, look, you know, Trump will be, be reelected. It doesn't matter about the coronavirus. We can withstand that. It doesn't matter about the riots. We can withstand that. The economy is really good. He's achieved so much. But, and I've always caveated this. All right, and you know it. I'm on record about yeah. this. I said, I if J-Lo throws her support to Joe Biden, we are effed, okay? And here we are. Yeah, here because, are. I mean, you know, Barack, if you go through the archives of this show, back to, like, you know, the, when things were kind of in, in the normal campaign cycle pre-COVID-19, we were discussing extensively Okay, disclaimer, this is all horse shit. That did not happen. <laughs> My but we were, we were discussing extensively how the election for Trump would be decided on the number of liberal celebrities to endorse him. Because <laughs> before election day, how unless the Red Hot Chili Peppers and the uh, InSync came out for him. And Roger Waters. And, you know, yeah, and, you know, yeah the, Okay, wait, hold on. Let, let's yeah. not get too far afield. <laughs> But what, what, I, what I'd like to, what I imagine is like, why now, right? Like, why, why does J-Lo and for that matter, Bruce Springsteen and, and all these other schmucks, why, why, why do they throw their support their way uh, to Biden's way right now? And so I, I think they must also feel like Biden has gotten some trouble. And I can see J-Lo and uh, A-Rod sitting around the breakfast table and saying, honey, we got to do something. And now is the time. We got to throw our weight toward Biden. Honey, you are right. And they hold hands, clasp them, say, let's do this. And yeah. they bravely go on Twitter, bravely go on Facebook and Instagram and announce their support for Joe Biden. Uh, you know what? Courage is a word that's thrown around a lot these days without meaning. But 
damn it, if that's not courage, I don't know what is, Ari. Yeah, I mean, you know, I think back to the great moments of courage that I can remember in history. You know, the Battle of Hastings. Well, that was that's something, courage. I guess, yes. Um, you know, uh, in, the, uh, in the movie Braveheart, the Battle of Sterling. Right, that's true. That was courage. Well, there's D-Day. Um, there's I mean, D-Day in yeah, September 11th going into the buildings. Well, th- those were some right. things, I suppose. Yeah, but, 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 that, but, but nothing but compares is, to the celebrity endorsing is, Biden yeah. late in the campaign, mostly with money from China incentivized by movie deals, you know. This is real, my friends. <laughs> this is when the rubber meets the road, my right. friends. This is right. when the campaign really... Okay, speaking about uh, D-Day in World War II as a brief and, and some what uh, clumsy segue to my main topic, which is about Hitler, 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 right? Uh, you mean when the Germans bombed Pearl Harbor, right? Yes, that, that was a great time. Yes, <laughs> yes. I, I can't believe he did that. Uh, boy, he really got his uh, power, uh, you know, his technique down. I mean, if he, could, if he could arrange for the Pearl Harbor bombing. Anyway, Ari's referring to a quip uh, from, I think... Animal House. Yeah, from Animal House. That was so funny. <laughs> Oh my Stop God. him, he's on a roll. Like, no, no, he's on a roll. Stop him, he's on a roll. <laughs> that was really funny. Okay, look, let's, let's, let's get to the point here. Um, I think, you know, it's interesting. I, I'm, Atheism Destroys, my, my second in my multi-volume set of the Atheism Kills series, is coming out in November, hopefully. Uh, by all push and measure, it looks like I might end up uh, having it in December, early December. But I want to get it right. So uh, I'm very excited about it. It's really pretty good. And there is a chapter in there where I explore this common refrain that you hear from a lot of atheists. And, uh, you know, I was one of them. I said, look, we can't live in a world where there is such horrific evil like the Holocaust, like what Hitler did. Uh, so an easy way to summarize the issue is how can, there be a, how can there be a God, a just God, when there's a Hitler? Okay, you know, that's an easy way to summarize the, the point. And I would say, look, that's a fair comment, right? And let me address why that's quite, you know, free will and everything else, right? That's a classic argument you hear in response. And that's what a lot of our listeners are now saying. They're expecting me to talk about free will. And they're right, you know, um, there is a great degree of the free will argument. And, and it's 100% a, a very fair argument. You cannot have free will if you erase the possibility of evil, right? So in other words, I mean, it's like putting on training wheels for a bike and, and just saying, oh, you'll never get hurt. Um, so you never really have choices then. Yeah, if there are no consequences. Right, that wouldn't be life. Right, wouldn't be, be life. a robot. Right, so, but I'm going beyond that. I, I think there's actually a simpler way to understand Hitler. And let me first start off by saying, guess what? There have always been Hitlers. There have always, and there always will be Hitlers in the future. There are Hitlers right now, as we speak, would-be Hitlers, who would be glad to do exactly what Hitler is doing, not just vis-a-vis the Jews and Israel. I'm just talking about people who seek incredible power and want to annihilate anybody who gets in their way, whether that's millions of people or hundreds of millions of people. They, they're happy to do that. Yeah, we, we call them college professors. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Come on, that was a good one. That was, that was pretty good. And true, yeah. <laughs> yeah, there are, but there are some people that you look at in America and they're so power hungry and they channel their 
power into wealth instead. So a lot of real estate developers and such. And they, they, they think they're cock of the walk and such. I, I know more than a few of them. Uh, some of them are good guys, but a lot of them are really power hungry. And you think to yourself, you know, if he had the opportunity to run a country, uh, he would take it and he would do exactly what Stalin did, Pol Pot, Mao, and even Hitler may have done. Uh, because it's all about power in their end. The, the, the ends always justify the means for them. So where am I going with this? I, the point is there always have been Hitlers and always will be Hitlers, and there are Hitlers out there as we speak. So what makes a difference? The difference is we let Hitler happen. I want you to remember that. It's not that God let Hitler happen. We let Hitler happen. And, and to this point, that's a very powerful yeah, point. Don't blame me. I didn't vote for Roosevelt. <laughs> um, to, take, take the example of a massive earthquake, okay? An earthquake that destroys an entire city, in fact, an entire region yeah, take of a the country. Fukushima a reactor earthquake. I, I, that's what, that's another example. Like that. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the, just an earthquake, okay? I always try to derail my examples. I'm simply saying it's so devastating. And you say to yourself, People don't say, well, how can there be a God when such an earthquake happens, right? They don't say that. What they do say, whether it's Fukushima or the, the, the Spatial Challenger or um, Chernobyl, for that matter, they, they, they correctly say, who the frig effed up on this, right? With the Challenger, it was the O-ring situation, right? Uh, Fukushima, it was not even a problem. It was just that the, that the tsunami was so large, they never expected it, um, but we always look to see how could this have been avoided. Katrina is a great example, right? It happened in whenever, 2005 or so. Here's a, uh, an incredible, powerful hurricane that overwhelmed New Orleans. And now, in hindsight, we now know that, it, that the infrastructure was so poor that we ended up uh, having a total devastation of New Orleans. And had we only shorn up the... Uh, the, the levees in New Orleans, everything would be different, right? We would not have, we would not be talking about Katrina the way we talk about Katrina. A very good uh, example is uh, two earthquakes, same size, same magnitude, same power. One can happen here, let's say in Los Angeles or San Francisco, where there are building codes which prevent a massive destruction and have the exact same earthquake somewhere else, let's say in Turkey, and have devastating results with devastating loss of life, right? So the two of them would happen and then you would say, oh my gosh, look at this terrible thing. And, and we would ask for volunteers to help uh, dig out the rubble and give a lot of money and all the things. And the Israelis would be there to help out and everything would, would, would be, you know, the whole world would rally around it. But that same earthquake with the same power would have minimal impact in a place like Los Angeles or California. Why? Because we guarded against it. That's why. So how does this relate to Hitler? With Hitler, as I said, we've always had Hitlers. We always will have Hitlers. We, we have Hitlers today. With Hitler, we could have stopped him at so many different points. But we didn't. So if today 
we had a chance to stop Eric Garcetti. We just didn't. <laughs> we just missed the opportunity, right? Uh, well, you, know, you see, the thing with Eric Garcetti is he, he's such a moron <laughs> that he would know. You see, Hitler, as, as evil as yeah. he was, he actually was a, a, you know, a brilliant strategist in, in the most cunning and horrific way, of course. The dude could paint. But the dude knew how to conduct war, okay? He understood right. war. And strategy. He was brilliant. He made some mistake, uh, big mistakes, and yeah. because of, because of those big mistakes, we were able to win the war. Right. But that's not where I'm going. <laughs> we he we could have stopped him right after the Munich Putsch, right? We, he was just, it was a small little ragamuffin group of, of of nothings, but we didn't. Okay. Instead, we released him, and then he kind of rallied people and got people excited about this Nazi idea. Uh, we could have stopped him, but we didn't. And then he gained power as the, um, the chancellor of, of Germany, um, you know, but second in command to Hindenburg, who was the president of Germany at the time. Um, but because he got weakened and there was more, more influence, ch the chancellor just gave it to him. He just gave, I'm sorry, the president just gave the chancellorship to Hitler and gave him full powers. He wasn't voted into office. People don't realize that. They didn't vote him as dictator. Hindenburg gave him all the power. We could have stopped him that way, but no. But, but wait, there's more. There are still many off-ramps that we could have had away from World War II, but we never took them. Yeah, one French policeman in the uh, Cologne region just walking in the border area, smoking a cigarette at night on certain nights in the 1930s and 40s could have stopped the entire Hitler invasion. Yeah, that's, that's spot on. It's, there's so many different ways we could have stopped them. But even more obviously so, Ari, for example, when, you know, just after the attack on Austria, where he gobbled up Austria, Hitler and his henchmen, they were not strong enough. They were, they were still a tiny army, relatively speaking, to what England and France could have done. You've got to remember, Germany was very, still very weak at the time. But he, Hitler, was able to convince a bunch of Austrians to let him in, so to speak, and they just took over Austria. And then Czechoslovakia. They could have stopped him there. But no, they instead agreed to it. Um, and then Poland. I mean, every step along the way, they could have stopped him. And even after and Poland... When you say they, you're talking about the British and the French, the yes. allies at this point, That's right. who were weak. They were acting like Democrats do today. You know, like but, Obama. Well, and, they were weak-minded, but not weak in military. Right. They actually had the strength. They just didn't have the will to use. Right, and we'll get to that power. in a moment. We'll get to that in a moment. Uh, and then even after Czechs, uh, after Poland, there was what's called the phony war. They didn't fight for about six months. And in the meantime, of course, Hitler used that to uh, amass his wealth from pillaging all these countries that he's stolen from, right, which only made his army even stronger. And then, of course, that whipped more, more passion into his army, and everyone thought he was invisible. And so people like winners, uh, so to speak. And uh, next thing you know, Hitler became what we now know as Hitler, right? So the point is, Ari, that God didn't let Hitler happen. We let Hitler yeah. happen. That's the point. Right. The free will wasn't Hitler's free will that allowed Hitler to happen. The free will was the lack of resolve and lack of action and the free will on the people who should have known better. Right. You know, it's essentially that... Uh, well, that's a, that's a good way of putting it. It's similar to that story you talk about Dennis Prager where the, finally the victim of a murder in their own family says, you know what? I should have had a V8. Death penalty is good. And yeah, okay, said, that's, that's shame on you. How did you not figure that out when other people suffered? That's a good connection. That's, that is similar. I, I would say that 
that it's more uh, an issue of them wanting to decide that they just didn't want to recognize evil. This is the why, okay? This is the why. It's very important to understand that we let Hitler happen. It's so unfair to say that God let Hitler, Hitler happen. We did. We have the capacity to fight evil. But to fight evil, we have to recognize evil as well. What happened before World War II with the rise of Hitler and such, you could say, oh, you know, the economy sucked, it was terrible, and uh, people really needed a rallying force, and Hitler provided that rallying force and such. But you can also say at the same time that it was the perfect storm because France and England, they so didn't want another World War I, the Great War as they called it, and so many millions of people uh, lost their lives there, and what devastation that lasted. So do whatever you can to avoid a second war. And that was the effort of Chamberlain and everyone else who just simply ended up sticking their heads in the sand, deciding to ignore the evil that was Hitler. In short, it was, as you call it, static thinking. They thought the current situation was the same as the old situation. Right, when right. It was completely different. Well, that, that too, that too. But here, here comes evil again. And uh, in, this, in this form, really, even more uh, horrific than ever before. The World War I, it was simply a, a game of power. And people didn't even know why they were on this side or that side of the war. But they were just fighting. It was simply and, the same people, Europeans, fighting under different flags for the glory of that flag. That's, that's all it was. It. And this time, it was different in the sense that Hitler wanted to have a, th- a Third Reich. To, uh, that would last a thousand years and everyone would be speaking German and, and it, it had this racial aspect to it, uh, this nationalist aspect to it. You get the idea. But it, it almost doesn't matter. The fact is they just didn't want it to happen again so badly. Now, what happened in between World War I and World War II? A dramatic evisceration of the notion of God as a center of society. Yeah, that's what I was going to was That was the number one thing that happened that explains why we sat back and did nothing when it came to this monster that was eating away at our civilization, not just slowly, but very quickly. And, and not only that, but he announced that he was going to do it. It's not as if he was some sort of fraud and, and con man and he said, oh, everything's going to be great. I only want this. No, 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 no. He made it very clear what his plan was. You just have to read Mein Kampf and you would know. He, he, he wanted to get his message out. And that's part of the reason why he galvanized so many people. How can he galvanize so many people and at the same time not do what he promised he would do? Of course he's going to do it. He really believed his crap. And so uh, the world went to war. And irony of ironies, we had hundreds of millions of people die, far worse than the first world war. So in their effort to stop another world war one, they got themselves a far more deadly, far more devastating, far more horrific World War II. And that is the nature of evil. Now, the why. I told you it's because God was no longer a big factor in European life. Before World War I and during World War I, God was a very big factor. But something changed in the calculation, in the mindset of the typical European when World War II one had happened. It was so devastating in their minds, relatively speaking, of course, that they said, okay, you know what, this God business, I, I don't know. I, it, it, it rocked everyone's world. And at the same time, you had 
the rise of communism and Karl Marx ideology and such, which is atheistic in, in nature anyway. And people thought, okay, well, you know, maybe we ought to try something different. But whatever it is, this God business, it ain't working. No, well, there's there's an obvious component, which is there are cyclical slips into decadence that we see, like in America, uh, for instance, the uh, '60s, the '90s, the 2010s. You know, the Obama years seems to have been eras of slipping into decadence and a leaving of God. And in all three eras, if you look at, it, there's also the destruction of masculinity. If you look at what happened in World War One, I'm surmising from this. Uh, these armies, these nations send all their young men, all their best and brightest into a meat grinder not to come back. And now the males that are left are the kind of latte sipping soy boys you see in Santa Monica. Well, all they hear about godless. All they hear about uh, regarding war is uh, how horrific it is. And uh, they, they don't think in terms of how you have to fight evil. And that means sacrifice in many times. And Sometimes it pains me to see all these commercials of these veterans who are very deserving, of course, but who have been wounded, and you see them with these hardly malt faces and losing their limbs and everything else. And from a salient's point of view, if you're a young man and all you see about war are these soldiers, and again, God bless these soldiers for what they did. I'm not at all saying what they did is wrong. Uh, on the contrary, I, I salute them thousands of times over. God bless them for what they've done. But the problem is, from a from a from a advertising point of view, so to speak, if the only thing that you see are these horrific images of people losing limbs and, and their faces are all burnt and everything else, uh, then you say to yourself, "Why would I go to to right. war?" You think you think every soldier winds up right? Exactly, well, exactly. Yeah. So so the salience part of it is it's like what we always say about airplane crashes, right? If, if, if all you knew about airplanes was what you see on TV, which is an airplane crash, and you've never been on an airplane yourself, you would say, why would I ever get in that steel death, death, death trap, right? So I don't want to get too far afield here because I want to wrap up this, this basic line. I want to give you a scenario, and it will resonate to you very truly. Imagine you're the head of NATO, Okay and America's part of NATO still, and you all, the world learns that a huge meteor, absolutely huge, is going to impact the Earth in three months' time. And we need to rally to do something. To make sure it hits Santa Monica? <laughs> all right, stop. Stop, stop, stop. <laughs> Jeez, you see the conditions under which I have to work? All right, so... So you go to so so imagine this guy is <clears throat> going he's reporting to the the head command of, of NATO, he says sir, uh, we have two uh, huge issues confronting us uh, simultaneously. Uh, we have to do something about it. Okay, what, well what are they? Well, first there's this huge meteor. It's uh, three miles in diameter. It's absolutely huge. If it impacts the Earth and it is on collision course in three months to do so, it will completely pulverize all life on the planet, not just human, but every animal life on it. And uh, the world as we know it is literally going to be gone. Uh, wow, okay. Uh, here's, what I, <clears throat> here's what I want to do. I want to uh, rally all of our nuclear warheads from every country, uh, regardless of whether they, they admit that they have it or not, and uh, calibrate and point it directly to this meteor and make it happen so that uh, we have a simultaneous explosion of the meteor so that it completely pulverizes the meteor or at least uh, diverts it directly off of uh, track and thereby saving the entire planet. Uh, that's the only way, and we've got to do it, and do it now. Yes, sir. Uh, and by the way, you said there was another one? 
Yes. <clears throat> there's, a, um, uh, there's a man who is uh, apparently, uh, 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 not, not just several men, um, North Korea, China, Iran, and, uh, and, and Russia have all teamed together to now form a complete union. And they've already taken over South Korea, and they are threatening, and they've marshaled all their forces together to completely annihilate all of Asia as we speak, sir. And they plan to do it in a week. The general says, why are you bothering me with such things? <laughs> right? There, there's, some tr there's a ring of truth to that. We don't seem to want to deal with a horrific calamity if that calamity is man-made. If it originates from a human impulse, some sort of evil from humanity, we don't want to deal with it. I mean, for example, that meteor that I just talked about, or an earthquake, or the tsunami you talked about, no one would say, oh, how do we deal with this evil? There's no such thing as evil in the land of natural disasters. It just happens. A hurricane's not evil, right? A lava explosion, not evil. All those things that we talk But people are, hum are evil. And only... By the way, humans, right? I mean, a dog is not evil. It's just he might be mistrained or whatever. It just does what it does. It does what yeah. it does. But that notion of evil seems relegated and is relegated only to humans. And we are more averse to dealing with evil than we would be for anything else. Even if you knew that that evil was coming your way, you would do... Most leaders would do whatever they could to ignore the evil. The question is why, right? I mean, if, if, like I said, if a meteor is heading to Earth, we wouldn't talk in terms of evil. We'd just say, what can we do to stop this? Uh, what are our resources to, to make this stop? We now have nuclear warheads. We can, we can do this, right? But you wouldn't say that if it's some sort of massive army coming on your border. You would try to understand the evil somehow, like Chamberlain did. And the question is why? why? Why the distinction? And I think I have the answer. Ari, I think the answer is that we don't want to see evil. If we recognize evil as evil, then we are admitting to ourselves that there is a God and that God expects us to fight evil. They go... Hand in hand, the notion of evil and fighting evil, that obligation to fight evil, is too hard. The accountability aspect of it, it's, it's terribly frightening. People won't want to do it. And so it is very informative to me that it is the observant Jews and especially the observant Christians. They're the ones who are brave. They're the ones who roll up their sleeves and say, we got to deal with this and deal with it now. They're the ones who sound the clarion call. But the atheists, the ones who, for whom God is not an important part of their lives, they're the ones who always sit back and say, ah, well, who knows why? They, they question their own intent, you know, motivations and would we do the same? And they kind of, again, they navel gaze. That's what they do. They would never do that if a meteor were about to hit the earth. And that, my friend, is the, the difference between the two. All right, hope you enjoyed that particular podcast. I'm Brock Lurie. Thank you and signing off and saying God bless. And we'll talk with you next week.